0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, with jarring headlines, rapid cultural change, moral decay, and terrorism sweeping the globe, Dr. David Jeremiah asks, is this the end? Ask yourself, what is it that I need to do, and how do I
1: stand up to that? And what what happens when those things take place? How do I respond to that? What does God want me to do? If we live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. So don't be surprised by it. It's going to happen. How do you deal with it?
2: Thank you. you so much. I'm James Robinson, dead in our thrill to have you watching life today. And all over the world, I believe you're going to be impressed by the guests that we have. And I think you're going to be impacted by what he's sharing. Dr. David Jeremiah, pastor of Shadow Mountain in the greater San Diego, California area, is, is writing, it seems every book he writes is a bestseller almost the moment it comes out of the blocks. And so it is. Is this the end? People are asking this. David Jeremiah, Answers, signs of God's providence in a disturbing new world. And I would say, Betty, in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. the world has certainly changed. You and I have been married now for approaching 54 Mm -hmm. years, and we would not have believed what we're watching today could have happened in our nation. Would you welcome Dr. Jeremiah to life today? (laughs) I'm, I'm glad you're, you're with us and I know that, that right now your wife has had a, a little bit of a challenge and you said something in church that you said it actually led to today. i got to be sure I'm being really careful. Would you tell our viewers what just downloaded and you shared with your church because I thought it was amazing how these words fit together well, and then you said you got challenged you on know, it. you
1: Usually, James, if you preach long enough, one <laughs> of these days you're going to get that sermon preached right at you and you're going to have to decide <laughs> what to do with it. So I was telling you that I was preaching a series on uh, being fully engaged. And part of that was being fully engaged as parents and partners. And at the end of the sermon that I preached last week, I said, here are the priorities that God has given me that I've tried to follow uh, since I've been a pastor after I got this all straightened out early in my ministry. Number one, I'm a, per, I'm a, a person with a relationship with God. Number two, I'm a partner with a relationship with my wife. Number three, I'm a parent with a relationship with my children. And number four, I'm a pastor. And I joke with our congregation that they're number four. <laughs> and uh, and and many of them have said to me, We don't want to be any higher than number four because if numbers one, two, and three aren't right, you haven't got anything to offer us. So anyway, I preach this sermon and I've got this tour that I'm supposed to be taking starting here and Don and I are looking forward to it and she uh, injures her leg and I have to decide whether I'm going to listen to my own sermon and take care of my wife or I'm going to go on this tour and uh, so... I ended up canceling everything except for you. And I'm not gonna tell everybody the fear I have for you, so I would never (laughs) cancel you. So, uh, and and so uh, I I told Donna, I'm gonna fly down to Dallas and be with James and I'm gonna fly home and I won't even miss one night. But I,
2: I, I had to do, what I preached. If you preach it, you better practice it, right? <laughs> and I think it's great. I think your congregation answered so well. Yeah. You know, and I do appreciate the fact that I believe that you have a, a love and a respect for what God has allowed us to do, yes, really, do. in the same yeah. uh, life journey. I think you're a true statesman today. I think you are a great gift from God. And I, I just, uh, when I find myself listening to you or reading what you've written and, and how it's affected people, I just say, God, thank you that in my day, in very challenging times, Dr. Jeremiah is here. And it looks like that you're doing more now than ever. And, and a lot of people are talking about, are these the last days? And they try to start dating things when the Lord made it very clear, don't date it. You don't know it. It's not where you get all frustrated by it. But he told him at the very beginning when he said that, I'm leaving you here to be witnesses unto me starting at home, neighboring community to the ends of the earth. Would you say that somehow, in light of what's been going on in the world and in our nation, that Christians have not been as faithful and as committed to being the witnesses and as representatives of the kingdom of God in their own time right here? And that's that's a problem.
1: Yeah, we've created our own comfort zone at James. We, we've gotten to a place where, you know, yeah, we want to go to church. We're involved in the ministry of the church. But when it comes to confronting the issues that confront us, we wait for somebody else to do that. We think that's not our job. That I'm, that's not what I've been called to. I hear people say that all the time. I've not been called to do that. Well, somebody better be called to do it because if we don't do it, uh, we're going to be overrun by the secular humanism that's just taken over in our, in our world today.
2: Now, people that are totally deceived because people who know the truth have not held it in high enough regard mm-hmm. to declare it, to demonstrate it, and even to defend it. And we're watching people today exchange the truth of God mm-hmm. for a lie, mm-hmm. and and lies are prevailing in the land in the last days because I think Christians have not really proclaimed and demonstrated the mm-hmm. truth. So, when you write this, tell me what is it that you want people to see? Is it looking just for a great escape, or are they supposed to see some God-given assignment for this moment in their life and in history
1: well James when I started to write this book I was hearing questions from people as I traveled you know what about this what about that how does this fit into the plan of God and I don't claim to have any special superior knowledge about that but I did know that some of the issues that were being discussed had some answers from the Bible I wanted people to know that we're not left without a message we're not left without a word from God even in things as controversial as um immigration. And uh, one of the things that I've been very, very uh, aware of in recent days is what's happening to the church, the persecution of the church, how the church is being, one of my favorite terms in, in the book is the church is being squeezed. It's being marginalized and stereotyped and litigated. And more than ever before in any of our lifetime that any of us living today, the church of Jesus Christ in America is being pushed Gradually and but very firmly, uh, a, a kick to the curb every time they they can out of the public square. Out of the public square, go undercover. You don't, and every time you turn around, there's a new evidence of that. So in the chapter in this book on uh, the uh, the persecution of the church, I I give some illustrations of what's happened, and they they're abundant. I don't have to look very far, and then ask yourself what is it that I need to do, and and how do I stand up to that, and what. What happens when those things take place? How do I respond to that? What does God want me to do? And remind us all that God says, if we we live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. So don't be surprised by it. It's gonna happen. How do you deal with it? How do you stand up for it? And how do you let God use it in your own life to purify who you are? And that's, that's in that one
2: chapter. So there's one issue that, that I address. Well, you addressed, you, you referenced uh, immigration, the bleeding of our borders. What is it that you want people to hear there? Because you know, we've got a real serious immigration problem. We've we got, we actually have great threats potentially of people right. coming in who actually want to do us great harm, mm-hmm. who want to destroy all the things that in essence have made us a great country, the land of the free. There are many, many issues
1: in the immigration discussion that I don't have, you know, a tremendous amount of knowledge about, except I see what's going on. For instance, here in, in, the, in Dallas-Fort Worth, at, at part of the hospital, the, the largest number of babies born in that hospital in just about any place in America, and so many of them are here illegally, and, and it's driving the, the cost of everything up, and that's one part of it. The other part is that God has brought these people here. So here's, here's kind of how I respond to that. I can't stop immigration, who am I? I, I can't stand at the border and, and vet everybody who comes in. So what am I supposed to do as a pastor? Here's what I think. I think James that God said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and we've done such a sorry job He's dumping them at our own doorstep and he's saying if you won't go where they are I'll bring them where you are Mm. so my main passion for immigration is To win them to Christ. We have a Spanish church. We have an Arabic church We're trying to win these people that God has brought to us And then I go to the Old Testament and I realize that God has given us some insight into this because in the old testament immigrants were called strangers and three things strangers uh how they related to israel were number one they were to uh, accept them they were to assist them and they were to assimilate them one of the most amazing things in that language is that whenever god spoke to israel after that time he would always say to israel and you're strangers also Everything he said to Israel, he would add in the... You can look it up. It's in Deuteronomy over and over again. And your strangers also. God laid upon the immigrants, the strangers, the same responsibility that he placed upon Israel. That's where we're missing it in America because we're allowing people to come in here and not become a part of America, but become their own people, start their own communities, sometimes even anti-American in there. And that's not going to ever work and we're gonna pay the penalty for that.
2: Create a nation within a nation that actually sometimes can call for the overthrow of the nation they have come into as a sojourner. Uh, Betty, when you think about the end times and and you have had such, you're such an inspiration to me because of your, I believe, God-given concern for what's going on in the country. It's not like you soak as well with our children and our grandchildren. It's like you look out and you want it to be well with everybody. So what, what do you think that is important that you know someone like Dr. Jeremiah can address for, put in your heart, your concern and your love for what is well, going I, on I in the lives I agree with of others. him
3: and many others, I think too, that we've, we've come to know and heard their views on that. It's not a time to draw back as Christians. Mm. It's not a time to go into hiding. It's not a time to be intimidated. Mm. God has put a purpose in our lives. He's put his son Jesus in our life. He's saved us from our sins and that's the message we have to be bold about getting out mm-hmm. there and, and and doing what God's purpose in our heart is to do and not to draw back and say well I'll just wait it, I'll just wait I'm saved I know where I'm going but God's got people out there that he wants to know him too Right. we must not quit evangelizing and right. reaching out and discipling people well it, I
1: think what you're saying Betty is you can't you can't trade in the cultural issues for the gospel because no. then you've got nothing That's right. and one of the things I, I think we could all learn from is the fact that when Jesus spoke he did it with grace and truth uh, it, it seems like today that there's a little bit of uh, erring on either side we have some people that are so full of grace there's no truth mm-hmm. and they just want everybody to be happy and they don't care what goes on and we talked about that earlier James that there's a lot of that in the church today and then there's others on the other side who are so full of truth you don't want to listen to him because there's no grace and you cannot be a christian you cannot conduct yourself as a christian without a spirit of grace so the real challenge for all of us who speak in the public sector is how can i be faithful to the to the word of god and to the message of the gospel in this decadent time and still show the love of Christ in my spirit as I do it. Not be angry. I know some guys who can't preach unless they're angry. You know, I don't think that does a whole lot of good.
2: For and you we're... know, the, the Lord used the verse to convict me because I'm pretty forceful, but sometimes I'd come across angry. I used to say I was shouting at Matter of fact, We're going to talk about a program later. <laughs> I think about... I remember yeah, some of those yeah, days. Yeah, you probably do. It's scary, you know. But the point is God did a, did great work. And one of the verses that convicted me is, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Uh, we're not going to get angry enough to fix everything. Mm. I want to I want to call people's attention to the way you broke this book out. The first part, is this the end for America? And then the second part, is this the end for the world? But I want to touch on also, you just talked about the bleeding of our borders. You touched on immigration. You talk about the increase of intolerance. And the main thing that is intolerant, uh, people are intolerant of today, is people that have convictions that believe there's right. some standards that are reliable. Absolutely. They don't want that. So they want you, the people who call for tolerance are totally intolerant of anybody who as a standard Absolutely. that they hold right. up and they believe is, is worthy. Then you talk about the apathy of America and the remedy of revival. Now, apathy in America, and I, I've been in, in ministry now for well over 50 years, and I've, I've seen far too much complacency among Christians. I mean, it's like they may show up at the church, and sometimes they don't even act like they love each other. There's apathy, there's indifference, and then they're not witnesses like you were talking about a while ago. Well, how do you address that? Because you, you point it the concern. the things
1: about apathy, the word is it's made up of two words, a pathos, which means passion, and then the little A in front of it cancels it out. It means without passion. Without passion. Americans without passion for their families, for their church, for their culture, uh, for the freedom that we have. And uh, when you don't have passion, when you don't have uh, energy for what you believe is right, the enemy wins and uh, so that's what's going on in our country many people just feel like well you know it is what it is i hear this all the time i uh I, it is what it is, and I, I'm just going to live Things with whatever. Things are just going to get waters, worse and worse. You know,
2: yeah. That's like saying, well, you got problems, so it's going to come in my kids are going to be bad, my neighbor's going to be bad, my neighbor is going to be mm-hmm. bad. Isn't that nonsense? Yeah. Total nonsense. It doesn't, you don't have to give our garden, no. we are overseers of, to the enemy, to the trespasser. All right, you believe in this hope that we can have an awakening. I we do. Can, we can have a revival. And uh, and I believe that's our only hope. Now, yes. Betty and I have, have a firm conviction that the stage is set for perhaps the greatest spiritual awakening in the history of the world, because nobody could have orchestrated all that's going on. And there's only one answer to the confusion Mm -hmm. and the dissension and division and the hostility and animosity that's prevailing. And that is a move of God and the love of God, not not scrapping Mm -hmm. truth or sound principles upon which we build Mm -hmm. a secure life and a meaningful future. I believe the stage is set for an awakening like that. People are saying we're fed up with all this nonsense political correctness, a biased media that's manipulating people, we've had it, okay? Mm -hmm. We're all agreeing on that. But if you get rid of all of that and you don't know what to put in its place, you still got a barren, weed infested field mm-hmm. rather than a fruitful field where right. people understand what that looks like. So I simply think the stage is set for the greatest awakening in history. Well, you know, in this in this book, there's a chapter. And, and by the way, the, this is what you point the at the There's no hope yeah, no this. There's, there's, five,
1: there's five great movements of revival in the history of our nation, starting with the great awakening in the colonial period and ending with the Jesus movement that I lived through. <laughs> That's the only one I remember. I don't Remember the other four, but I remember and you the got Jesus those movement. California right. memories right. right there. Yes, I do, and the interesting thing about it is, all of these great movements in our nation and around the world—one of them was a worldwide revival starting in Wales—all came at a time when everybody felt about their world exactly the way we feel about what's going on right now. It's never been like this before. We're at the clear at the bottom, and you know, there's there's no hope. And then all of a sudden they realize there is hope. There's only one hope. When we have exhausted all of the other things that we try, ultimately we look to God. And that's when God says, you know, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and confess their sins, then I'll come. And unfortunately we think, that it's never been as bad as it is now. It's been worse than it is now on at least three other occasions in this nation. And then God has raised up primarily a bunch of young people and the young people have been the catalyst that God has used to bring revival to this you
2: nation. You know, I just want people like us at our age to inspire young people to realize that, you know, you don't, the sky's not the limit. God's the limit in what he can do. And all we do is yield to him, and he can work the miracle that literally transforms our culture Absolutely. before our eyes in a very short period of time. Nehemiah built the walls in 58 days. And I believe if we'd get serious about doing the will of God and returning to his foundational principles and truth, and we put up those walls of protection, and not prison walls, but protection. I believe that we could see a miracle change in this nation in a very short period of time that would amaze everybody. You've written this book with that hope. It is in the bookstores, you can get it online, and uh, for all of you in the audience, we have a copy for every one of you here. Don't you appreciate the fact that Thomas Nelson says we want you to take it home? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look in and I want you to see a legitimate need that love and compassion effectively meets and changes everything. And here's what I want you to just stop and ask. Can I be a part of that miracle? Yes, you can. And I'll just say this about the book. You become a part of this miracle. We wanna send you Dr. Jeremiah's book along with some other gifts to say thank you. And you say, why are you doing that? Because we wanna feed you spiritually. just like we wanna feed people who are starving. I believe that people in America are emaciated spiritually they don't have spiritual truth. They're weak, and God sees them. You say you're rich, increase with goods, have need of nothing, and you don't even know you're wretched, poor, blind, miserable, and naked. You're in need. Well, we want to give you spiritual truth, but we're gonna give people the nourishment they need. I want you to watch. I'll tell you what I believe. Your heart's gonna be moved, but then it's gonna leap into action, and you're gonna become the hands of Jesus. Watch closely.
4: We've met a lot of moms um, on our trip to Angola. I have to tell you, Mariana's story has touched me so profoundly.
3: Jalaria Monjala, Momagutio and Dango, Jariacho, Wagapera, Wingetinda, Yuanang and Gusuacuquetiale, Coquetiale, Ojomala, Ojalayva, Yapopa Suya, you piss out of Pi, Ojapa, no Naguti, Padio, Hemba, Pachanda, and Yapo, and Mamima Chiquete.
4: She said that when she goes to bed at night she just, she lies there and she said honestly she wishes she could just give up, you know she feels such despair but she said I can't give up because I've still got three children who need me but when she only has a little bit of food she makes sure that she gives it all three of her children and many nights This mom goes to bed with nothing. Nothing in her stomach. Just a prayer on
3: her lips. Lord, will you send me some help? Maybe you think, well, how
4: can we change her life? It's really easy through mission feeding. Can you imagine the burden that it will take off this mom knowing that her kids get one good meal every single day? It's not a lot to ask.
2: No, it's not. It's not a lot to ask. And we are the answer to her heart cry. I, I, I would like to hold her. I mean, Sheila, when you were with them, I could tell you, it affects you like it does me in bed. You just want to hold them. It's kind of like you want to hold them forever, but God does and he can But he uses us to start the process of healing. <laughs> 400,000 little children like that, already our missionaries are located in crisis settings. And if if they don't get stronger because we don't get to them early enough, they end up in what we call malnutrition settings that your love also pays for. And that's where they just go to try to stop death that's right there at the door. And Betty, I can see the, the concern that Sheila shared and the concern that mother has. She's already lost a couple of kids and she's trying to take care of the others. And we really are the answer. And let me tell you, we, we got a lot of people watching us who just care about others. Uh, this has been an election year. And a lot of our donors have tried to support good candidates in the local level all the way to the top so they try to have the best people possible. And the best principles supported, but they've given money. I'm going to tell you something. We felt it. And I found myself saying, God, if we don't get a miracle, we got 400,000 kids and missionaries have located that really need help. Many of them are dying and we can turn it around. Love will turn it around immediately because that's what we do. And you know what God did in answer to that heart cry? I mean, I've been asking God, some of our friends said, we've got a $400,000 grant. Several came together and said, we'll match $400,000. You give and your gift will be doubled. And for $30, 50 or $100, we can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. But now that'll be doubled. It'll double to six and 10. it it'll, it'll If you give, let's just say, $100, and it'll take care of so many children, it, it's it, it's doubled immediately, and it just keeps going. It's like, it's like a gift that keeps giving. You make it once, it's doubled, and then it keeps giving for the next months. Ultimately, years, it's life. Would you right now be a part of the miracle that mother's crying out for? Betty, I've asked God, please touch the heart of every person watching us to do something to be an answer to the heart cry we just heard. And
3: I believe you will. And to understand that your gift is going to reach out so much further than what you thought it might. There's so many more mothers like this precious mom that her heart is hurting. She's going without food herself so that she can give what little morsels she has of life to her children. And there's so many more that need our help. So please join with us. Let's feed the little children, the children that God loves so much.
2: You know, I'm believing that uh, there be many of you who will do that and see your gift doubled. But also, we're going to feed in the schools. When they get healthy enough, we want to keep them going to school and their little minds be bright. And $1,400 will take care of a school for three months, a whole school. I'm praying many of you will do that and, and it'll be doubled. You'll get two schools. So if you can make that special gift, we do have some gifts to send you to say thank you. Uh, that's going to be a beautiful gift. One of them is a children's Bible that's illustrated. It's absolutely beautiful for your children or your grandchildren. And Lisa Levere's book, absolutely fabulous. I'm telling you, you're going to be inspired. But what you're doing in love ought to be one of the greatest inspirations you'll ever experience. Go to lifetoday.org online. Take your bank card, use it like a check, or dial the number. Use your bank card like a check. If you want to write a check, make it to life but would you please call us and tell us what you're mailing because the missionaries will be waiting to hear from us. Are we going to be able to reach the goals? I want to tell them yes, because you helped. Thank you for
0: doing it. In remote and impoverished villages of Africa, children are suffering, desperately in need of life-saving food, facing death by starvation, LIFE's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready now to feed and care for children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Angola facing a record food shortage due to crop failure, we need to immediately replenish our funding and supplies for our feeding programs. As an answered prayer, a group of LIFE's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for Mission Feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 for three children will be double to help feed six children, $50 to help feed five children will be double to save 10 children, and $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children. And don't forget your $1,400 gift to sponsor a school will now be double to feed children in two schools. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Without Rival by author Lisa Bevere. With your double impact gift of $100 or more, please request the complete illustrated children's Bible. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000, which will now be double to help feed 200 children, and you may request our beautiful majesty bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today.
2: You know, Betty and I, say thanks to God for the love that He pours and expresses through you. Thank you for being a release of that love. Lisa Bevere's book, Uh, Without Rival, we're sending to those who help us, the beautiful, uh, complete, illustrated children's Bible, but also today, Dr. Jeremiah, I mean, he's just such a blessing, and uh, I just think this could have a transforming effect not only on your life, but on our nation, and touch the world, with the love and grace and truth of God, you help us feed someone. Dr. Jeremiah is going to feed you in your heart and your spirit, and help you with the future. All of us together. Would you join Betty and me saying thanks to Dr. Jeremiah? Ladies, thank you. Thank you. So good to be here. Thank you all for watching. Tell your friends about the book because we don't need to be afraid about the end. We're ready.
0: Tomorrow, Sheila Walsh explores our deep-rooted longing for God alone.
4: We know nothing else will do.
0: Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.